0: This morning's reading from the Bible is from Exodus, chapter 16, and it's verse 1 to verse 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community Grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come. Before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: How many of you enjoy eating? Satisfying our taste buds is one of the great pleasures in life. Food is always a great topic of conversation, whether you're complaining about it or complimenting the cook. Max Licardo, in his book In the Lord's Prayer, wrote this. We all have insights and expertise to share on this subject. You might say many of us are heavyweights in this area. He continues. Everybody has a kitchen story because everybody has a history in the kitchen. A garage is optional. A living room is negotiable, an office is a luxury, but a kitchen, absolutely essential. Give us today our daily bread. So Jesus uses these popular subjects to teach us some very important principles about prayer. And as Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, it was a very long sermon and perhaps some of the listeners would have been dozing off, Their ears would have picked up at this point, not just because they loved their food, but also because of their history. Their Jewish heritage gave them a mental flashback to the days when God delivered their ancestors from Egypt. So, you know, way back when Charlton Heston brought them out of bondage all the way to the Promised Land. We had part of that story just read. How the people of Israel had been protected from the plagues God sent to encourage Pharaoh to let his people go. And how once he had set them free, God led them during the day by a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. You remember how God parted the Red Sea so they could cross over on dry ground, and then the waters came flooding back together to drown the Egyptian army. And after all of that, after experiencing God's provision and protection and deliverance, you would think these people would be willing to follow God anywhere. But no, just like you and me, uh, they were forgetful when it came to remembering God's great faithfulness. And in Exodus chapter 16, they complained to Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we were around pots of meat and ate food, all all the food that we wanted. But you've brought us into this desert to starve to death. And the Lord said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. And in the morning, it was just as God promised. There was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, the flakes like frost appeared on the ground. And this stuff, manna, a loose translation of the Hebrew might be, I haven't got a clue what this stuff is, but we've got to call it something. Actually, it simply means, what is it? That's what the people ask, what is it? Every day, God sent them this bread from heaven. And on the day before Sabbath, he told them to gather enough for two days so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath day, set aside for rest and for worship. But if they gathered more than their daily needs, the leftovers would rot. So literally, they learned to trust God every day to provide. And he did. God sent them their daily bread for 40 years. That's a lot of manna. A lot of daily bread. And all they had to eat was quail and manna. So during those 40 years, I'm sure they got very creative in how they prepared this bread from heaven. Perhaps the ladies got together and compiled a manna cookbook. Boiled manna, fried manna, sweet and sour manna, manna soup, banana manna splits, etc., etc. You see, because of their history, as Jesus teaches them to pray, give us this day our daily bread they remembered those 40 years of God's provision. So there's the historical context. I want you to keep that in mind. And as we take a close look at these six words and draw out, I want to draw out four principles of prayer. Before I do that even, notice the order of the three petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. And what have we done so far in the prayer? We've praised God for his glory. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we might think after all that loftiness, we might think there needs to be some kind of spiritual response. At least, the very least, lead us not into temptation or forgive us our trespasses. We might want to change those orders around. But no. Jesus deals with our existence first. We have to live. But as we live, we come to realise that our physical existence is only a part of life. Jesus came that we should have life and have it abundantly. So once my physical needs are cared for, I should realise that what really makes life life, is my fellowship and communion with God. My physical needs deals with existence, but life depends on my relationship with God. So he gives my physical needs, and then we think about our spiritual life. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead me not into um, temptation. So I should live for worship. So, these four principles then. First of all, our Father wants us to talk to Him every day. As we ask for our daily bread, please notice the double emphasis on prayer being a daily thing. Give us today our daily bread. And anything repeated twice in a prayer that only contains 66 words must be important, and it is. Jesus is emphasizing the fact that we are to pray for daily bread, not weekly bread or monthly bread, but daily bread. Why daily? Why is it so important that we talk to our Father every single day? Can't we treat prayer like worship, a week-to-week plan? You know, you, you pray every Sunday, and then when we finish, we say, See you next week, Lord, try and take care of the next seven days for me. Well, one reason meaningful prayer is a daily thing is because we have short memories. We are very much like the Hebrew people of Moses' day because it's so easy to forget all that God does for us. In spite of the psalmist's words, we forget all God's benefits. We forget he forgives us all our sins. He heals our diseases. We forget that he redeems us, our lives from the pit, and crowns us with love and compassion. We forget God satisfies our desires with good things. So praying every day keeps our memories on God's faithfulness. But a second reason, I believe, God asks us to pray every day, and I think this is the main reason, is simply because our Father wants to hear from us. Parents uh, with children away at uni, or who've had children go away to uni, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You want to hear from your kids regularly because that's the only thing that soothes the pain of their absence. And that's a reflection of the way God feels about us. Remember, this is our heavenly father we're talking to, who loves us so much he makes a point of keeping a running count of the numbers of hairs on my head. This is our father who hated the fact that our our sins separated us from him so much that he sent his son to die for us on the cross. That was the only way to remove the sin barrier. So, of course, he wants to hear from us every single day. In fact, he wants us to rely on him for every decision, to seek his help in every crisis and praise him for every joy. And I need to hear from him as well. I need a healthy relationship with my father. So prayer is not a grocery list as much as a way of relating to God. And it's impossible to have a meaningful relationship on a once a week basis. For a relationship to grow... You need to spend regular time together. Secondly, God wants us to depend on him for everything. So this phrase, daily bread, refers to much more than food. You see, uh, in those days, many people were hired on a day-to-day basis. Think back to some of Jesus' parables where the, the people are waiting to be picked for their day's work. So when they asked God for their daily bread, by inference, they were asking for daily work, which would provide food to survive on a daily basis, and money to buy clothing and pay the rent, etc., etc. And Jesus' hearers would have understood this. They would have known that he was telling them to pray for everything they needed to exist. Martin Luther put it like this. Daily bread is everything necessary for the preservation of this life including food, a healthy body, job, home, wife, and children. So in this part of his instruction on prayer, Jesus was urging us to talk to God every day about everything, every need, and every burden. God wants us to talk to him about everything. As the hymn writer puts it, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry, everything. To God in prayer and when we pray in this all-encompassing way we learn as Psalm 37 says depend on the Lord and trust him for he will take care of you so basically this part of the Lord's prayer is a prayer of dependence a prayer of relying on God for everything every day And whenever we begin to doubt and wonder if God is dependable, if we think he might not be faithful to provide our daily bread, all we need to do is look at nature. That's at the start of his Sermon on the Mount. See, we take things out of context. Our Lord plans his sermon properly and well. All we need to do is go back to the start of the sermon. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies in the fields. Every living thing in all creation depends on God on every single day. And so do you and I. But note, we are to bring God our needs, not our greeds. So, this part of the Lord's Prayer doesn't say, God, give me everything I want. It says, give me everything I need. Give me my daily bread. Give me what I need to serve you one more day. So, we need to be satisfied with our basic needs because God has not promised to make us wealthy. Jim Backer, he was a tele-evangelist, very much into the prosperity gospel. He wrote this in his book. The book's entitled, I Was Wrong. For years, I had embraced and espoused a gospel that some skeptics had branded a prosperity gospel. I didn't mind the label. On the contrary, I was proud of it. I even got to a point where I was teaching people, don't pray, God, your will be done when you're praying for health or wealth. You already know it's God's will for you to have those things. Instead of praying thy will be done when you want a new car, just claim it. Pray specifically and tell God what you want. Be sure to specify the options and and what colour you want too. The more I studied the Bible though, I have to admit that this prosperity message did not line up with the tenor of scripture. If the evidence of God's blessing was wealth, then gambling casino owners and drug kingpins and movie stars are blessed of God. If we equate earthly possessions and earthly relationship with God's favor, what are we to tell the billions of those faithful believers who live in poverty? So in these six words, Jesus is saying we should talk to God every day. We should depend on him for everything and every need of life, but our needs But he was also inferring that God wants us to trust his provision in every way. So asking God for our daily bread means we believe he knows our needs better than we do. So this part of the prayer is a statement of trust. It's saying, God, whatever you want me to have is all I want. You know what's best for me. So you know how best to answer this part of my prayer. And since our needs are not always the same. The daily bread God supplies is not always the same every day or for this person or that person. I remember the church where Pavia and I met, St. Saviour's Forest Gate. It wasn't a rich church, but it paid its parish share. It supported missionaries did all that good stuff. They had a gift today and they wanted to raise a certain amount of money. I can't remember what for and I can't remember the amount they wanted to raise But the next week, it was announced that they had exceeded the target by £5,000. This was over 30 years ago, by the way. And we were all wondering what that £5,000 was going to be for. How would we spend it? The next day, the roof over part of the hall fell in. The bill to repair £5,000. God had already provided. Give us today our daily bread. He knew what we needed. And sometimes the daily bread God gives is like that because God knows what we need. But then, then there are other days when we wonder why God puts on his plate, puts on our plate what he does. Days we doubt the way he chooses to bless us. There are days when God serves up painful experiences or times of discipline or times of grief. Ricardo, again in his book, sometimes our plate has nothing but vegetables, 24 hours of celery, carrots and squash. What then? There are invaluable lessons that can only be learnt in tough times. And there is a calibre of strength that can only be gained through suffering. So all our little trainees, the soldiers going through their, their basic training and stuff, carrying their 30, 40 kilo-pound, like kilogram, packs, pack packs, for four kilometers and so on. And I'm there with them, carrying the same weight as whatever they're carrying for four kilometers and so on. And I'm pushing them along. Come on, keep up, keep up, keep up. And some of them will go, padre, padre. I won't use their language, but basically it's. I can't go any further. All right? You can understand the language they would use. They're a bit knackered and stuff. And I will say to them things like, do you want to get beaten by your granddad? Because some of them are only 17, 18. <laughs> and the ones who are going to get the message eventually, they shoot off and leave me in the wake. Other ones, I'm leaving them in the wake. And it's not that the corporals hate them. They're not being beasted. That doesn't happen in the army anymore. It's because we know what might lie ahead. There will be days when we're going to have to carry our 40 kilo, possibly more packs for a lot further than 4 kilometers for whatever reason, to, to come to the enemy or to escape from the enemy or whatever. We know. And it's all in the mind. And God knows what lies ahead for us. He knows what we will need to get through, what lies ahead. And as we, when, when we wonder what this meal he serves up, why is it so hard to swallow? We've got to trust the cook. So praying these six words is a way of saying, Father, you made me. You know me. You know my life. So feed me what you know I need to grow and to develop into the kind of person you can use to further your eternal kingdom. Remember I said, it's about satisfying our needs so that we can worship. I live to worship. And then the final principle of meaningful prayer we find in these words is this. God wants us to care about the needs of everyone. So Jesus didn't say, pray, give me This day, my daily bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And he worded it like that as a way of helping us to broaden our focus to include the needs of others. See, so often our prayers are very self-centered. You know, if the truth be told, when you and I woke up this morning, we didn't have the slightest doubt that we would be able to eat. In fact, the major concern for the average Briton is what we will eat, not whether we will eat. But that's not the way it is for hundreds of thousands of people in our nation and in our world. So who is the us? My family? My next-door neighbour? Remember the Good Samaritan? The question asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told in the parable of the Good Samaritan, who is the us, even our enemies? Father, give us today our daily bread. So as we pray, we are to look around and we are to see how God can use us to bless others less fortunate than we are. It's a lot, isn't there, in those six words? And are we thinking of them? Or do we just rattle through the Lord's Prayer? Five Hail Marys and a couple of Lord's Prayers. Is that what we do? Or are we really thinking as we pray the Lord's Prayer? About the needs of everyone. About trusting God for his provision in every way, even when it's... Doesn't seem a good provision. About depending on God for everything. And talking to him. Every day. Amen.